It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Bibles turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Hallelujah. One of the greatest principles that help solidify the Word of God in your spirit is repetition. The um, messages that I listen to on my iPod in my truck, uh, one of them this past week, was Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's 50th anniversary, 50th ministerial anniversary, which took place in 1983. He had 20 more years of ministry after that. That means he had 70 years of fruitful ministry. Now, as his friends and relatives and people begin to comment on his 50 years of ministry, they all said the same thing. Brother Hagin has preached the same message all 50 years. He's never changed on his message. And that's the message of faith, how faith operates, how faith works. Of course, you know, he teach, taught a, a variety of different subjects, but it was the repetition of that teaching. Most uh, people testified it was the repetition. One pastor, actually it was Dr. Roy Hicks, got up and said, you know, that he had studied uh, these things uh, as a young minister. Then he began to pastor a church, and he said, but he had some pieces that were missing. And he said, Brother Hagin came to his church and began to teach, and he said God put those missing pieces uh, into their place, and he began to have an understanding of how faith operated. He said, but that took a couple of years. He said, actually, he came the first year. He said, I was more confused the first year uh, than I was before. Uh, uh, I was more confused after he left than I was when he came. He said, but the second year, the Spirit of God opened my understanding, and I just had an understanding of it all. So, you know, these things that we teach, they may have an element of repetition to them, but remember, uh, it's that element of repetition that's going to solidify it into your heart and into your spirit that's going to make it part of you. Because that's what the Word needs to be. The Word needs to be a part of you. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be, you know, most people, their religion is something they adhere to. You know, they're like, well, you know, that's, that's, that's the way Grandma believed, and that's the way uh, uh, Mom and Dad believed, and that's the way I believe. Most people don't even know what they believe. If you really press them on what do they believe, well, well I believe there's a God. Well, you know, the Bible says demons believe that. You know, but that's not getting them anywhere. So there is a way to approach the Word of God. There is a, a way to, uh, to uh, um, approach the Word of faith in, in which it benefits you in releasing that which God has done for you in Christ. Now, let me say this, and we'll get, we'll get into the lesson of Mark chapter 5. There is the, one of the main doctrines that, that separate us from many of the denominations is the doctrine of sovereignty. Now, people say, well, God is a sovereign God. That's not an excuse, you know, for not to receive from God, that God is a sovereign God. Now, let me just make a statement on that because people are really schooled on that subject of, of sovereignty. And what they mean by sovereignty is this. God is sovereign, therefore God will choose whoever he's going to choose to do whatever he's going to do too. You see what I'm saying? Out of that, we have the doctrine of Calvinism. Calvinism is basically predestination, where God predestines certain people to be saved, maybe even certain, uh, a certain few, very few, to be healed, uh, maybe a certain few, very few, to prosper financially. Uh, but he's the one that chooses. And you have no business encroaching 
uh, into his business because he's the one that's going to choose who's going to get saved. He's the one that's going to choose who's going to get healed. He's going to choose the one that's going to, well, I ask you a question. If that's the case, then what are we doing here now? I mean, why even serve God? Why even serve God if that's the case? But in reality, that's absolutely false because the majority, the 19 miracles or the 19 uh, 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 testimonies of healing in the Gospels, 16 of them were initiated by the people. They came to Jesus. Jesus didn't go to, the, go to them. And then even as you study the Old Testament, which is given to us for an example, uh, an, an example you'll see that, that, that when people responded, there were people that responded to God. That, that had no business responding to God, and God drew him right into the covenant. Rahab the harlot was one. What was she doing? And she's actually in the lineage of Jesus. What's she doing in that lineage? There are others. Ruth was another one that, that was just grafted in because they chose. They saw God. They believed that was God. Therefore, they decided to serve, and it was all an act of their will. It had nothing to do with the sovereignty of God. had nothing to do whatsoever. And the reason I say that is many of you, that's where your relatives are, is, is that's what they believe. They believe in that sovereignty element, and it's very difficult because many times it creates an argument. But one of the best things to do is to take them to some of these scriptures in the Bible and show them where there were people in the Bible that really didn't, you know, no matter what sovereignty said, they were going to get something from God. And I believe that's literally the way God is because the Bible has given us faith to tap into His sovereignty. Sovereignty is that which is settled, and the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Predestination believes everything that God is ever going to do is settled. Well, I believe anybody can get saved at any time. Do you say, do you say, well, do you believe God knows everybody who's going to be saved? Well, I don't know if I know that or not, but I do know this. Everybody can be, and we'll preach the gospel to them, believing that they that all can all can be saved. Same way with healing. You say, do you, know, do you think God knows everybody that's going to be healed? Well, I don't know if he does or not, but I do know this. If we'll preach faith the correct way, anybody that needs to be healed can be healed. So, you know, the enemy's always trying to muddy the waters. He's always trying to make things, and it's amazing his ability, because I guess he lives in that realm. It's amazing his ability to look spiritual and sound spiritual. But you know, when you when you really get into the, <laughs> you really get into and really get around religion. I was really never around religion. You know, my, my, uh, my mom's family were Pentecostal. And so uh, my grandma Hanson, uh, my grandfather, Grandpa Hanson, Howard Hanson, he had a call of God on his life he never did obey. And my grandma Hanson was an intercessor. On the other side of the, of the family, the Martin family, went to the first Christian church. But now my mom and dad got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in the early 60s, I believe 1961. And then by 1962, our family, my, my mom, my dad, uh, myself, uh, my sister Cheryl, and Alan, we all attended the uh, First Assembly of God in Pasadena under Brother and Sister J.R. Goodwin. And so when we got a little older and we would go to El Campo to the Martin family side and go to church with my grandparents, we would, we would, we would freak out. You can ask Alan. We were like, what is, what is this? I mean, it's like being at a funeral. We were like, what? And our parents were like, you know, they're, they're not, we don't, they don't believe like we do. You know, they don't, they don't, uh, you know. And it was just, I mean, it was so obvious, the deadness of it. Just absolutely dead religion is what it is. That's all it is, is dead religion. But it's amazing how comfortable people get in dead religion. How it pacifies the soul. 
there's a pacification, you know, the, uh, the process takes place in which they think they're right. Uh, they don't really know they're right, but they have enough, uh, how can I say this? They have enough uh, assurance in their mind that they may be right. Well, you know, you can't, eternal things, you cannot rest upon a maybe. You better know. I mean, if you can know, you better know. Now, let me say that again. If you can know, you better, I've heard people say this for you. Well, are you going to heaven? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think I am. Well, th- then you're not. Are you saved? Well, I, I may be. I think I am. Well, you're not. Because one thing you'll find out about the sovereignty of God is the sovereignty of God is defined by His Word. And His Word releases divine absolutes. There are absolutes in the Word of God. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is good. There is evil. There is a devil. There is a redeemer. I mean, all of these absolutes cannot be changed. They cannot be changed. No matter what you try to do, society, governments, time, it's not going to change any of that. So the good thing that we can do is, is continually expose ourselves to the revelation of the Word of God on a repetitive basis till that becomes part of who we are. Just as much as your, as your right arm is your right arm, uh, Mark chapter 5, the, the, the story of the woman with the issue of blood is part of your belief system. Amen? Now, in these gospel stories, what I really like about gospel stories, now remember, the gospels are a transition. Uh, we call them the New Testament, but in reality, the New Testament did not start until Acts chapter 1. Till Jesus, Well, it started at the resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead. I'd like to say the New Testament really began in John chapter 20, when the Bible said Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Well, I believe those men and women that were there at that time were born again, that they went from death to life. They went from darkness to light. Now, in the meantime, Jesus comes on the scene in this transitional period. Now, we know according to Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus is God speaking to us. Amen. A God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake unto the fathers in times past by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us in the person of a son. So Jesus is God speaking to us. So if we were determined to determine uh, what is God saying to us through Jesus, and when I say that, I'm saying, you know, the Gospels. You know, you've got four different witnesses of basically the same thing. Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every get, uh, word be established. So God gave us four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we determined, actually the first series we ever preached here at Island Church, we preached on the Gospels, Jesus in the Gospels, and this is what we determined. If we can respond to the Word of God the way the people in, in the Bible respond, responded to the physical Jesus, we're going to get the same results or may get even better. Now, in order to understand that, we have to, we have to take care of the access problem. Because there's always people that have this kind of idea in their mind, and that is, well, only if, if only Jesus were here, if he were only here. Uh, what they're saying is they're drawing a picture of Jesus from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of a man walking around between age 30 and 33 and a half, and he's anointed by God, and he's just handing out all these miracles. Well, that's really not true. There's really no reality to that. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But if you study closely the Gospels, there were many that got healed, many that got touched. John himself said, if all the things that were written about him were put in books, the world itself could not contain the volume. But there were those that did not get healed. You'd have thought Jesus could heal anybody. But he couldn't. 
everywhere he would go, if there was unbelief, unbelief would shut him down. Two weeks ago, we studied about how to carry people in faith. And in that particular scripture, that we only have record of one person getting healed. And the Bible says the, present of, the, the power of God was present to heal. The power of God was present to heal. The power of God was present. I, I think many times in our services, the power of God's present to heal. And people don't receive uh, because their mind is not in the right place. Their heart is not, is not in the right place. And they have all these mixed up religious ideas that keep them from receiving from God. The one reality you can draw from the Gospels is the simplicity of receiving. Most of the people that did receive from Jesus were not highly educated uh, 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 religious leaders of the day and of the hour. They were just common people. The Bible says of Jesus, the common people received him gladly. And when you understand that and recognize that, then the complication of receiving does not come from God. Let me try that again. The complication, if there's a complication, you say, man, I'm telling you, Pastor, it's been so hard. I've had people tell me that, I mean, even recently, and they would say things, it is so hard to serve God. That is not true. That is a lie. That is not true. It is so hard, Pastor, to receive from God. That is not true. What you're doing with your words is you're creating an inability. Every time you say it's so hard, it becomes hard to you. Every time you say, I can't, you can't. Every time you say, you won't, you won't. Listen, it's your own words and your own belief system that you're using in a negative gear that causes what is very simple to become very complicated. Number one, we can't figure out God. But we know that He has provided great provision for us through redemption. I believe even to this day, the body of Christ is not near tapped into the fullness of His provision. I believe if we could just get a glimpse of the fullness of his provision, we'd all fall on our faces and repent for the way we live right now. I mean, look at the way they lived under the old covenant. I mean, when they really tapped into the provision of the old covenant and served God the way they should, God greatly blessed the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. But man, when they got out of that, when they backed away from it, destruction came upon them every time. And in, in, in our nation, uh, here in America, it's like we've kind of settled in to this kind of uh, a stupor when it comes to religion. Uh, you know, uh, Christianity is related to goodness. You know, you got to be, uh, if you're a good person, then you're, you're obviously a Christian. Well, that really doesn't have anything to do with it. Uh, the reality is the, the, the believer is the only live person on the earth. The only living person on the earth. You say, what do you mean by that? Everybody else is dead in their sins and trespasses separated from God. But then when we get into the Gospels, another thing we must realize is that Jesus himself is revealing unto humanity divine principles on how to respond to God. Now that's amazing that Jesus himself would let us in on those secrets. They would not let us in on those secrets back in the, in the old covenant because those secrets were not relevant to them. They were under a, a, a dispensation of law, not of grace. Their faith mainly was used to keep them connected to their covenant as long as they could keep the Levitical priest and the blood flowing in the temple. They had confidence in their God. But when that stopped, immediately judgment would come upon them. And all of a sudden, they'd begin to think there is no God and they'd begin to gravitate to the demonic gods of everybody around them. That's why you had... People like Ahab and Jezebel. That's exactly what they were. 
Those were Jewish. Ahab and Jezebel were both Jewish. But they had so far regressed from the covenant that they were a part of that you couldn't tell them from the other heathens that were around. They were probably worse than some of them. Now, here, here in Mark chapter 5, this is a simple story. No complication. Always take it on the level in which it's given. The simplicity in which it's revealed by Jesus, because he is the word, was the word, forever will be the word. And the revelation that comes forth from it is so simple of how this woman received a major miracle. And all of the elements of everything that dogs us when it comes to receiving are present in her life. All of the elements. The time element. The, the money element. Uh, the soulish element. Our, our mental state. Uh, our, the spiritual element. All of these elements are in this story right here. All of them are right there. And when you see them in their, in their particular setting, and you see how the Word of God and how Jesus dealt with these particular elements, then you begin to see it doesn't matter how long something's gone on. It doesn't matter how much money you've spent trying to cure something in your life. It doesn't matter uh, uh, how depressed you are over it. It doesn't matter how spiritually confused you are. You can understand that those situations communicating to you, the voice of it can be cut off, and you can hear something else that can greatly benefit you and bring a miracle to your life. Now, let's, let's pick it up. Verse 25 a certain woman, everybody say a certain woman. Now, a certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years. Talk about the time factor. Just because something has gone on in your life for a long time does not mean it is an impossibility with God. Just because you've been believing God for something for a long time, it does not mean that you're not going to receive it because the time factor has outrun God. That's one of the greatest problems in the body of Christ is that a person that is truly in faith, time will not affect their faith. But if you're really just in what I would call uh, 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 presumption or assumption, then the time element will eat away and eat away and eat away and eat away till literally not only do you have no faith, you lose your hope. You have no more, you don't have any expected, you just don't expect to receive. Amen. So this woman's situation went on for 12 years. So time had a voice. Everybody say time had a voice. And time's voice in her was amplified or multiplied times 12. It was a factor of 12. The first year, the second year, louder. The third year, louder. The fourth year, louder. The fifth year, louder. The sixth year, you see what I'm saying? The tenth year, louder. The eleventh year, louder. The twelfth year, louder. Amen? Now notice this. She had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Now, this shows us the deterioration that the time factor is involved in, and then the medical treatment of that day and hour also exacerbated the problem by deleting or depleting all of her finances. Now we thank God for doctors. Amen? I like Dr. Oral Roberts. He said years ago, he said, doctors are of God. They're anointed of God. They're blessed of God. But here's still the issue. Even though we have advanced techniques in medicine today, there is still only so much doctors can do. And even doctors will tell you that the ability to get well is greatly enhanced by the will of the person to be well. 
You take somebody who don't want to be well, you treat them with everything you got. And still, you can't get them well. But if a person really has that desire to be free from whatever it is that's causing them a financial problem, I mean, excuse me, a, a, a physical problem, then that helps a lot. I heard somebody say one time who was in a, in a, in a horribly physical condition, and they asked the doctor, uh, would it help if I wanted to live? And the doctor said, well, that's about 90% of it. It's just wanting to live. But we must understand also that just like every other human endeavor, medicine is limited. Amen? In this woman's case, obviously it was limited. Twelve years, suffered many things of many physicians, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Which brings in another element, which is the soulish element. What's going on in her mind? What's going on in her emotions? What kind of choices is she making? I guarantee you her mental condition is greatly, uh, greatly depleted in this situation because of the time factor and the money factor and the suffering factor. I guarantee she's depressed. We know she's discouraged, disheartened, but I guarantee she's depressed. Now, we can read in between the lines and understand something else. Actually, uh, uh, I used to have the, I have to look back at my notes with this woman's name. Uh, she was a Jewish woman, which meant there were certain stipulations put on her as a Jewish woman. You go back to Levitical law and you study what happens to someone with an issue of blood who has a, who has a flow of blood coming from inward outward. They were declared unclean just like a leper was declared unclean. They could not go into any public setting, and if they were caught up in transition from one place to another in a public setting, they were to completely cover their head, and as they went through that area, they were to cry out, unclean away, unclean away, unclean away. Well, that'll really help you. Think of 12 years of doing that. Not only that, for 12 years, she could not go to a synagogue. She could not participate in a feast day. There was no Jewish activity she was allowed to participate in. Now, many times if you look at your own problem, you can put it together like this. There was more than just a sick woman here. There was a sick woman. There was a hopeless woman. There was a depressed woman. There was a broke woman. There was a spiritually depleted woman. And then 12 years of that had taken that and, max and multiplied it by 12 in her life. Now, all of these situations in life create communication. You know, your body communicates to you through pain. Your finances communicate to you through, you know, uh, the, the bank statements you get. says you don't have anything. The bills that stack up at your house. Uh, spiritual things communicate to you. Because you just don't know. You just don't know. There's always a question. Uh, uh, other voices in her life were probably, you could imagine uh, the relationships this had cost her in her own family, in her friends. She couldn't be around them. Amen? I mean, if, it, if she had a friend, it'd have to be in private or in secret. Now, this gives us a picture of how problems in our own life gathered together and create a high volume of communication to us. I watched people this past week. 
just in pastoring and teaching and preaching for 30-something years. I watched people just this past week sit. I'm up teaching on the Word of God. I see people over here, people over here, people over here, people over there. People are, are watching. They're, they're, they're listening. You can see some people, person here, their light will come on their face, and you'll think, man, they just got something or this will happen. And then you see other people. They have this kind of this what they used to call the thousand-yard stare in combat. And it's sad because it's this... It's this fixation, and they're looking past you, and they're looking past, and you can tell that everything that's going on in their life is communicating to them so loudly that they're unable to hear anything else that's being said. It's terrible. And you can't go and shake somebody. <laughs> hey, you're not listening to me. Although I've seen, I seen uh, uh, Dr. Fred Price do it before. I mean, I seen Dr. Fred Price jerk them up out of their chair, stand them up on their feet and said, you stand there and listen to me until I finish talking to you. And then I saw him throw people out to fall asleep. That's how much respect he has for the Word. He's only, he's only got a little church of about 25,000, so, you know. So we could never do that. We might run someone off. Well, you might be surprised how many people really need help. But I've watched them over the years, and they'll, and they'll sit there fixated, and, and the whole place could be shouting, hallelujah, great, glory to God, good point, good word, whatever. And they just kind of sit there with that fixed look on their face. It's almost a terror in their eyes. And it's the, it's the, it's the volume of all of their circumstances that they cannot turn it down. It, they just can't do it. It's screaming at them. That's one of the reasons why it's so important to participate in praise and worship. To come in, just kind of cleanse yourself, lift your hands and worship God, because that prepares you to hear the Word and to cut down the vo volume of all of that communication. Because if that, that, that's your greatest distraction, let me just say this this morning. Some of you may not believe this, but it is true. Your current problem is your greatest distraction. Your current problem is your greatest distraction. There are people that are so distracted from their problem, distracted by their problem, that they will forsake the assembling of themselves together. They will forsake their own Bible study. They will forsake their own prayer life to go and deal with a problem, and it never makes it any better. We've talked about that before. People that, you know, you see them, they hadn't been in church in six weeks, and you're, well, we're going through some things. And they're really telling you, I've shut down on God, shut down on the church, I've shut down on my prayer life, and I'm trying to handle this myself. Well, how's that working for you? It never works. It will never work for you. Because the enemy's got a mark on you. You're not like everybody else. You're a child of God. The enemy has a mark on you, and he will make sure to do everything he can do to distract you with your current problem. Well, you've got to make a decision on who you're going to listen to. Because there's one thing the devil cannot do and one thing that God will not do. You say, what is that? He's not going to violate your choice. You choose who you're going to listen to. And you choose the level on which you're going to let them speak to you. I've learned over the years, I don't let my problems talk to me anymore. I don't let them. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not there trying to communicate to me. And that doesn't mean that at times, you know, physical communication and financial communication is not loud. But I've made a decision to listen to something else. Obviously, this woman, now notice the next verse. This kind of, this kind of helps us. Look at this. 
when she had heard of Jesus. Now, what could she have heard? Well, let's just, let's just categorize it from what Jesus had been saying. Luke chapter 4, he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He goes to the synagogue, which he was brought up. He takes the book of the prophet Isaiah. He turns to the correct scripture over in Isaiah 61, and he begins to declare, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty, uh, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them, them, them that are bruised. Amen. Uh, to preach the acceptable year, of the, to open the eyes of the blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, now that the Bible says that went out. People were talking about, did you hear about the guy over in Galilee that got up and went and sat in the Messiah's chair? And he took scripture about Messiah and read them and said, today is this fulfilled in your ears. He's either the Messiah or he's the biggest fraud that's ever come through the country. I heard he healed a blind person. Did you hear about that marriage he went to? There's a rumor that he took about 120 gallons of water and turned it into wine. Have you ever heard such a thing? So all of a sudden, in the area, there's this buzz. Amen? And anytime there's a buzz in the area, you have a choice. Now, in her state, she could have just walked by all of that. She could have said, I ain't got time for that. I'm, I'm, I'm dying. I'm bleeding out. Been bleeding for 12 years. I'm sick. I'm broke. I got to figure out something to do here. I don't know. And that's why a lot of people don't ever get anything from God. Because their problem is demanding their time. Their problem is demanding their attention. Their problem is demanding that they put great effort into trying to do something about the problem. But I'm telling you, you know whether or not you can do something about the problem or not. And if you've been dealing with something for more than about three weeks, you ain't much you can do about it. Come on, church. So you better come to the place. I love this. For she heard of Jesus. She heard. Whatever it was she heard was what she needed to hear. I, I, one of the ways I used to preach this years ago when I used to travel was the greater voice. The voice of the, you got the voice of the, uh, of the sickness. You got the voice of the financial problem. You got the voice of the spiritual problem. You got the voice of the mental problem. And they're, and they're all orchestrated by, by, by the adversary, the devil. And he brings it into a 12-year crescendo. But still, no matter what problem you may have, there is a greater voice. Now listen, this is the point though. When it's the voice of your circumstance, you don't have a choice. It's going to communicate to you. But when it comes to the voice of your answer, you have to make a choice. Amen? you got to make a choice. I'm going to hear what God has to say about this. You say, now, now that's many times where people really get in the ditch. It just can't be that simple because my problem is this big old knot that's all weaved together that took 12 years to weave it together. It's the, it's the physical, it's the spiritual, it's the mental, it's the financial, and it's all this big knot, and, and, and my problem is so complicated, I don't think there's a simple answer for it. That's where you're wrong. There is a simple answer for every complicated problem. But you've got to make a decision to reach over and turn down the volume of your problem and turn up the volume of your answer. Amen. 
exposure is the most important thing. The more you are exposed to the Word of God, the more you're exposed to life, the more you're exposed to light, the more you're exposed to health, the more you're exposed to blessing. You're exposed to all of the goodness of the nature of God. We read it Sunday morning that through the precious promises of God, we are partakers of the divine nature. The more we can be exposed to the precious promises of God, the more His divine nature gets in us and on us. I see... In my, in my own mind, in my own imagination, I see the Word of God like, like a, 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 what is it called? A uranium. Is it uranium that's radioactive? You're not supposed to, you know, when you go to the dentist, they put the lead thing on you, or you go to the doctor and they do an x-ray, and they, and they, and they always go out of the room, you know. <laughs> Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, they're always, they always want to get away from that thing. Why? Because of the exposure issue. The exposure issue, because the more you expose, if you get if you get overexposed, then it gets in you. Amen. Some of us just need a little overexposure to the Word of God, so it'll get in us. It'll get on our finances, get in our health, get in our get in our spirituality, get in get in every area of our life. That's why that's why the the gathering of ourselves, the the the, uh, uh, the church services, and your own personal prayer life, and all that we do as the body of Christ is so important. Because it's in that that you're constantly exposed. Now think about this. I'm going I'm to teach on this on, on uh, Sunday morning. I'm going to try not to get into it today. We're going to talk about a heart for the church, you know, a heart for, for serving God, for the move of God. The church is the body of Christ. Whatever's in the head's in the body. Whatever's in your head, you're going to get exposed to eventually. As long as you recognize and realize that you are in the body. That the body of Christ is organic. Say, so what do you mean it's organic? It's reality. It's organic. It may be spirit, but it's still organic. See, religion and denomination has made the body of Christ corporate. They always talk about the corporate body of Christ. The corporate. It is not. It's organic. Corporate. Who, who's, uh, 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 who's our president? Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump is the corporate head of the United States of America. Before that, it was Barack Obama. Before that, it was George W. Bush. Before that, it was Bill Clinton. Before that, it was George H.W. Bush. Before that, it was Ronald Reagan. I mean, you just go right down the line. All of the corporate heads of the, of the, of the United States were, were just men that stepped into an office. That office elevated their authority and influence. Then they stepped out of it and did not retain the authority and influence. And they were our head, governmental head. But we were no more connected to them than we're connected to the moon. There's no connection. There's no organic connection there. But in Christ, there's an organic connection. Spiritually, you're in the body. You're in the body of Christ. It was purchased with His blood, and His blood is what cleansed your temple so that you could be connected. Amen? Amen? I better stop there or I'll get into Sunday morning. But here's this one. She heard. Everybody say she heard. So a greater voice spoke, and she began to hear it. It says, for, she heard, for when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him and touched his garment, for she said. Now, first she heard, then she said. If you will say what you hear, you will see what you say. Did you get that? If you say what you hear, you will see what you say. 
If you say what you hear, you will see what you say. If you say what you hear, you will see what you say. That works all the time, everywhere. Don't just work for the Word of God. It works everywhere. That is a law of the human race that God put into the human race that He Himself operates out of that shows us we are His children. We started out as His children, and then we fail. And the enemy took that principle right there and drug the world into a mess. Amen? Drug it right into a mess. I mean, the, the, the last century, with all that went on in the last century, what a stinking mess. It's amazing we didn't annihilate ourselves. We did drop two atom bombs. Come on, church. I mean, bombs that could destroy the world, all that type of stuff. All that came out of that principle. All came out of that principle. Adolf Hitler started out with somebody with a thought that went weird. To his mouth that went where? Into the ear of another person. That went where? Into the ear of another person. That went where? Into the ear of another person. That went where? Into action. Amen? Now, if it works like that in the negative, how much more powerful shall it work in the positive according to the Word of God? Everyone is working this principle all the time. Let me try that again. Everyone is working this principle all the time. But are you working it only on the level of the Word of God? That's an effort. You've got to make a decision. That's what I'm going to do. What I hear is going to be the Word. What I say is going to be the Word. And what I see is going to be what the Word produces. If you're sick, see yourself healed by what you hear and say. If you need finances, see yourself blessed by what you hear and say. Let what you hear and say. Now, a lot of people say, well, that just sounds just like Christian science to me. has nothing to do with Christian science because Christian science is all mental. And you can't talk someone into being healed. You can't do it. There's got to be power. There has to be power. Let me just say this. You can't talk someone into salvation. There has to be power. There has to be. The Bible says of the Holy Ghost, he convicts. He convicts. That's the power of the Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. As you witness to somebody or as we teach the gospel, whatever we do, it convicts. It convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You say, what does that mean? All of a sudden, it dawns on you, i got to have a Savior or I will not be saved. And they say, this guy's him? Well, from the words they're saying, from some place, I believe that. I believe I'll go up there and believe in my heart and confess. Well, we had how many? Five, six people on Sunday in the early service come up. And either get right with the Lord or get saved for the first time. Well, they heard something. Had to have some power to get them up out of their seat. So she heard, then she said. Then he didn't. Now notice this. Straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she was healed of that plague. Now, she heard, she said, then she did. Everybody say heard. heard. Said. said. Did. did. Then she felt. Everybody say, heard, said, did, felt. Now, see, we want that felt at the front. Amen. But that's not how it works. Now, hearing and saying was probably not difficult, but doing this task was probably greatly difficult. Number one, she was at great 
civil harm because the very person that had the right to enact Jewish law was walking right next to Jesus, Jairus, who was the head of the temple, head of the, head of, head of the yeah, head of the, not the temple, but the uh, synagogue, head of the synagogue, leader of the synagogue. She was not supposed to be in public. She was not supposed to be there, but at, at, at risk to her civil freedom, she goes, on to a, goes into a public arena. Now, this woman has been sick 12 years. I guarantee you, you sick 12 years, you're not just going to go elbow your way through a crowd. That journey for her was probably very precarious to get to his garment, to get to the... And, you know, I've heard all kind of teaching about it was his garment. It wasn't her garment, his garment. Well, he had this special garment that only rabbis wore and other fringe and all this. I thought, man, that's, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, your faith made you whole. Jesus said, your faith made you whole. He didn't say, well, I tell you, if you can get you one of these garments here, you can go around and people get a hold of that garment. They can get healed. <laughs> there was a, a Brother Goodwin, he used to wear these, Brother Goodwin used to wear these socks that looked like, they, they were stocking-like socks, you know. They were real, you could almost see through them. And, and, and uh, uh, he, to, he, he told the story about sitting on a platform one time and, you know, his, his pant leg was up like that where you could see his sock. And a, one of the older ladies was walking by and, and, and looked over at Brother Good and said, that's why he's got so much pants, those socks that he wears. I'm going to get you a pair of those socks, honey, he was talking to his husband, her husband. <laughs> it's not in your socks. It wasn't the garment. The garment was just a place in which her faith in God's power came together. But the whole issue, too, is what? Jesus is walking around not knowing any of this is going on. He's not looking to heal a woman. He's not saying, where's that woman? Where's that woman? Twelve years. Where's that woman? She's looking to be healed. Now, notice this. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or that power had gone out of him. You can know the anointing comes out of you. You can know it. A lot of people never experience that because you never minister on that level. But there's been many times I've ministered on that level where the anointing was very strong and it would go into people or other people, it wouldn't even go near them. You reach up to lay hands on them, you're like, oh my goodness. The anointing flows where reception is ready. Amen? I mean, these are, you, you, you got to plug to a lamp. You want to plug a lamp into this auditorium. And you say, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, just, I think I'll just plug it in the wall over here. Just go stick it in the sheetrock. You'll find out your lamp won't come on. You say, what do you mean? There are places in the auditorium that are designed for the power to flow. Plug it into a light socket, into a, into a, into a receptacle, and, the, and then the power will flow. You've got, listen, people try to plug themselves into all kinds of stuff. They think it's going to help their situation, help their problem. But in reality, if you really want divine power, you've got to plug into God. You've got to plug it into the right receptacle, the right outlet. That's a better word. And if you get it into the right outlet, then you're going to get the right thing out of that outlet. You are designed to receive that way. I said you are designed to receive that way. But what goes against that is when you go outside of your design. You are a being that is designed to do what? To believe in its heart, confess with its mouth, and see what it believes in its heart and confess with its mouth. You're made in the likeness and image of God. 
She believed in her heart. She confessed with her mouth. She acted on it, and the, and the, and the power of God, the virtue of God, flowed out of Jesus, and he went, whoo. Now, how many people could have been touching him that day? The disciples said, Master, you see the multitude thronging thee? And, and sayest thou, who touched me? You know what they were saying? They said, Jesus, what are you talking about, man? Everyone around, everyone on the streets bumping up against you. Everyone in the streets bumping up against you. And you're asking us who touched you? What, what do you mean, man? That's what they're saying. So there are people that were accidentally touching him. Amen? People may be touching him out of curiosity. I just want to touch him. Amen? But one person touched him, and he knew that that touch pulled divine power out of him. Now, he is the what? The Word. He is the living Word of God. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, present with us in the, in the form of a message, and also as the body of Christ, the head. She was dis... Oh, my God. I, got, I don't have time to do it. We'll have to pick it up next week. She was disconnected from the power. Her faith connected her to the power. You are not disconnected to the power, but you do have a switch. Let me try that again. She was disconnected from the power, but her faith connected her to the power. But now you are in Christ. You are redeemed of the Lord. You're not in her position. The principles work, but you're not sitting in You have that, that power. Listen, that power that healed that woman is already in you. Let me try that again. Some people don't. They're still trying to get that power. That power that healed that woman is already in you. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken or make alive. It's already there. So instead of looking for an outlet or a socket, you know what? There's not an outlet or a socket. There's a switch. We always talk about turning, keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep the switch of faith. What does that mean? Believe. Believe the word. Stay in agreement with the word. Stay in belief to the stay. Don't get into unbelief. Now, that's where your fight of faith takes place. Because your outward information gates are the devil's playground. He wants you to feel. See, you're not healed. See how you feel? He wants you to look and see at your financial statement. Amen? All of these different things he wants to hearing, seeing, feeling, all of these different things he wants to use against you where you can use them for yourself. Make a decision to hear the word, to see the answer. I like the illustration Pastor Dodie Osteen gave when she was fighting cancer. She had a picture of herself riding a horse about 10 years before she had the attack came against her. And she said she would look at that picture every day and focus on it. And say, I will look like that again, and I will do that again. But she, see, she did it by the word of God. With all of her, what, 167 scriptures that she would confess every day and still confesses to this day. She'd look at that picture. She'd make that confession. Say, I'll do that again. What do you see? 
What do you see? Not in your mind's eye, but in your spirit. You have to see yourself healed. You say, I can't see myself healed. Then let the Word paint the picture. Remember this about the Word of God. Your spirit man is like a canvas. The Holy Ghost is an artist. He wants to dip his brush into the paint of the Word and paint a picture of your deliverance, of your financial prosperity, of your healing, that he wants to hand you what this Word produces, which is faith, which takes that picture and makes it a reality. That's exactly what it does. And if you will allow him to do that, then everything the Spirit of God paints in you and you walk in faith by, it'll come out of you. And when it comes out of you, you'll see it's even bigger than it was when it was in you. Because he still does exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power. What power do you think that is? That's the power of faith that works in you. Amen? Amen? Praise God. My time's up. Lift your hands up. Father, we thank you today that we have hearing ears to hear what your word is saying. We thank you that we have seen eyes to see what your spirit is showing us. And we thank you, Father, that these simple truths arriving in our hearts are causing our spirit man to rise up and dominate in all of our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone says... Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.